Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Um, today we are kind of uh, beginning a series which we're calling Getting to the Heart of the Matter. And what we're doing is we're really taking, it's, it's more topical, thematic than walking through a book. And we're taking, I suppose, issues that maybe are close to someone's heart and trying to bring a biblical perspective and understanding on those particular issues. Today, uh, I'm going to open this up. And um, it's an interesting subject. It's the subject of leadership, which has been something that has been in many ways close to my heart for uh, many, many years. I grew up in a church, um, <clears throat> really, that's particularly the last 10, 15 years of that time with an outstanding leader, an absolutely outstanding leader. And uh, when, when he joined the church, and this isn't the only reason he was outstanding, but when he joined the church at Kings, there was about 130 of us who kind of voted him in to come and be the leader. And we had had all sorts of discussions about what does it look like to be a leader. And when he came, it became obvious what a leader looked like, that he was the leader. And uh, he came in about mid-90s. When I left the church in 2009, um, we had gone from 130 to about 1,000. And it's carried on growing. And uh, this guy is a real leader, and I have so much respect for him and that gift. And uh, I want to talk about leadership because leadership is a very common word that we use in our everyday life. And, uh, you know, you talk about people that, oh, yeah, this person's a leader, that person's a leader, they look like a leader. And there are many different definitions of leadership. While I was in that church, I read almost all the books that were out at that time on leadership. We met all the people, we travelled to all the places uh, where leadership was being done in a kind of a Christian way. Um, and there was one book that defined leadership like this. It said, leadership is influence. Leadership is influence. And there is, of course, some truth about that, that leadership certainly has is about influence. But what I realised, particularly over the years of being a leader in that church and then coming to uh, lead a church of my own, uh, that God had kind of allowed me to, that if you simply focus on leadership as influence, you actually miss the point. You miss the real key part of what leadership is about. You see, the main issue around leadership is not your ability to influence, yeah? Because you can influence people without having any leadership, yeah? You can influence people. When you define leadership as influence, you miss one of its main characteristics, and it's that that I want to talk about, which is not, I've realised, an easy thing to talk about. The more I looked at it, the more I realised, actually, this is going to be quite tricky. I want you just to imagine for a moment that you are a group of people who are not Christian, you're not Christian, you don't go to church, and you don't believe in marriage. You don't believe in it, yeah? Because we live in a world where loads of people don't believe in marriage. And then I come, and I'm trying to persuade you that marriage is a good idea, yeah? And, and I can already feel the kind of, who do you think you are, what do you think you're saying, 
You know, I can feel the kind of the heckles that might be there because people are like, no, we don't believe in that. Yeah? It feels a little bit like this because what I want to talk about today is authority. And when I say that, we're not going, yay. Yeah? Authority is not something that we talk about very much. Authority has a very bad press, for good reason. When we think about authority, um, we don't think positively. And yet, if you go to the Bible, authority is very, very connected to leadership. In fact, leadership in the scripture doesn't happen without authority. And so, and so, and almost what I want to say is if I was talking to a group of people who didn't believe in marriage, one of the things I would be trying to say to them is, do you know what? God instituted this, and because he instituted it, God blesses marriage. Yeah? God instituted authority, and because he instituted it, if you follow God's way, God blesses it. So that's what I need to say right up front, that authority is something that God blesses, and it's one of the main characteristics of leadership, over and above the ability to influence. Here's a definition of authority. The power, and all these words we don't like, power or right to give orders, don't like that, make decisions and enforce, don't like that, obedience. Yeah? We don't like that. The power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. Another way of saying, maybe slightly softer, appropriately exercised authority is the key to good leadership. Appropriately exercised authority is the key to good leadership. And I'm going to try and explain why. In simple terms, without authority... Life doesn't work well. Whether you think it or not, life doesn't work well without authority. Authority is instituted by God. We have a natural aversion to it. Yeah? There is something in us that reacts to the idea of authority. No one's going to tell me what to do. Or because of abuses of authority that we have seen or lived under. Or because there's a growing sense of our own independence. Yeah, no one's going to speak into me like that. I, I can do my thing. So we don't actually, we kind of own and accept authority, you'll see, in certain areas, because there are some areas where you accept authority without question. And there are other areas where you don't accept it at all. And that's the way we kind of live. We don't necessarily understand how it works, and therefore we don't benefit from living under God's authority and how he institutes that in the world. Let me give you some examples of everyday life situations where we benefit or where we see authority at work. First one, really simple, parents and children. Parents and children. How many of you, just put your hands up, if you've ever watched a Super Nanny episode? Yeah, some of us. Some of us haven't watched it. Okay, Super Nanny, she's just brilliant, yeah? What Super Nanny does, and I, I don't think she's a Christian, yeah? But she gets authority, yeah? What she does is she goes into a home <clears throat> where there are some unruly and reckless children, and she kind of tries to help to turn that around. And this is the way she does it. 
She walks into the home and she spends the first day or so simply watching what's going on, yeah? And she's watching these kids and they're running up the wall and they're hitting their parents and they're swearing and cursing and they're doing all sorts of things. And you're there thinking, they ought to be committed somewhere. Yeah, that's what you're thinking. You're watching, thinking, oh my goodness, I can't believe that they're doing that. Look at this, is awful behavior. And often it's awful behavior. So she's watching it, watching this awful behavior. And then what she does is she simply turns to the parents. That's what she does. She doesn't, she doesn't then start going on at the kid. She turns to the parents. Why? Because parental authority is what creates that. Or lack of authority. You don't actually have to be... It's not that you have to come in with a stick or anything like that. We're not talking about sort of beating your kids into submission. But parental authority determines how your kids will behave. If you understand that as a parent, and you parent with parental authority, then that will really, really help you. Rather than what often happened when my girls got a bit older, particularly one of them as they got older, sometimes what happened was I kind of put down parental responsibility and we became equals in the argument. And she's shouting and I'm shouting and I'm saying what I think and she's saying what she... That should never happen. Or that need never happen with your children. Yeah? Because the moment you have children, parental responsibility comes to you. Yeah? It's a free gift. You don't need to ask for it. It's there. The moment you have those children, parental responsibility becomes yours. But you do need to know how to exercise it. Because if you don't exercise it well, you get reckless, unruly children. Yeah? And reckless, unruly children hurt themselves, they hurt others, they hurt you. Yeah? So you need to be able to exercise parental authority. Another example, really everyday example, and Dave would know this, a school teacher and a class. Yeah? So, you could be, and Paulie's always telling me about this, she said there's a teacher at her school, there's this woman at her school who's like five foot two. Yeah? So she's a short lady, but she commands the school. Yeah? This woman knows how to operate with authority. Because every teacher, whether they know it or not, realise it or not, has authority. That's why you can stand up in front of a class and go, Johnny, sit down, don't do that, do this, do this. Everybody stand up. And the kids do it. You can't walk down the road. You couldn't walk down to McDonald's and suddenly walk in there and say to everyone, OK, stand up. No one's going to listen to you because you don't have authority to do that. But in a classroom, if you are a teacher, you have authority. You need to understand that. And then you operate in it. Now, in our world, it's much more tricky because kids say, I know my rights, you can't tell me. Yeah? So our world has changed because we have kind of rejected the notion of authority. Another example, really everyday example, um, football matches are best played with referees. <laughs> they really are. Yeah? Because the ref protects you. Um, you know, if you're a really skillful player, as I always was when I was growing up, um, <laughs> the ref protects you, the ref keeps the, the game going, the ref enforces the boundaries. When it's just you and your mates, it becomes a free-for-all. And in a football match, nobody ever says, ref, get out, go away, I don't want you here. We'll have a better game without you. Of course you won't. The game is much better enjoyed where there is a ref, even if he sends you off and you don't think he should do. Why is that? It's authority. Authority matters. 
it counts. In every one of those situations, appropriately exercised authority allows things to function. And I don't even need to name many other situations where that still applies. Every, every, almost in all our relationships, authority applies. None of these roles are based on personality, physical strength, any kind of gift or anything else. They're not based on those things. They're not based on your background. They're based on the fact that I am a teacher, therefore I have authority. Whether you are shy or whether you are outgoing, you have authority. Or I am a parent, whether I think I'm a good parent, I I have authority. Authority comes from God really as an act of common grace. Because you don't need to be a Christian to understand it. Jo, super nanny, gets authority. She really does. The first thing she does is she looks at the parents. The second thing she does, once she's looking at the parents, before she ever gets to the behaviour, is she gets to their relationship. She looks at them and says, what's going on here? Why is this not working out? Because if this doesn't work out, this won't work out. That is more or less what she says. Authority is what helps us govern both society and also relationships. Just a couple of verses in the scripture. Romans 13.1 says this. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Now we can think to ourselves, oh, I don't think it really means that. Because there are some authorities that I'm sure God did not institute. And I have every right to disobey. We find it difficult to accept. In another situation, you have the story of the faith of the centurion who comes to Jesus because his servant's ill. And uh, he says to Jesus, look, can you come and help me? My servant is ill. And Jesus says, okay, I'll come. And he says, look, do you know what? You don't need to come because I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. But you can just say the word. You can say the word. And he says to Jesus... This is how he understands it. He says, if you say the word, he'll be healed. That's all you need to do. How does he, why does he say that? He says, for I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and he turned into the, ground, the crowd. He said, I tell you, I've not found such great faith even in Israel. What that soldier was able to do, what that soldier understood was how authority worked. He understood that even though Jesus' realm of authority was a spiritual realm, it functioned in exactly the same way that his authority functioned. I can say to this guy, go here and he'll go. Why? Because I have authority. And it's interesting, he determines his authority, I'm a man under authority. Not that I have authority, I am under authority. Yeah? And Jesus functioned under authority. So how, when we have such an aversion to it in our world, how do we learn to accept the importance of authority in our lives today? Because like I said up front, people may have an aversion to marriage and for good reason. They may have seen bad marriages, their, their parents may not have had a good marriage, and they're like, oh, I'm never going to do that. But we would say, no, 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 actually, if you, follow a, if you follow God's way for marriage, it is a blessing to you. It's fruit to you. Yeah, it really works for you. 
That's what we would say. We would encourage somebody. We'd say, no, 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 don't, 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 don't throw everything out because of your experience. It can work. God can make it work. We need to kind of have the same attitude towards authority, although it sounds really, really odd because who wants to embrace something that really we have a big aversion to? Who wants to embrace it? Yet, if we learn to embrace it, it brings blessing. And uh, you'll see why in a moment. So how do we learn to accept the importance of authority in our lives today? I'm just going to run very quickly through this passage in Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11, which explains, really, Jesus's, um, I suppose, work on the cross, Jesus's mission in life, and how that was totally linked to authority. It wasn't linked to just kind of the Holy Spirit or his faith. It was linked to his uh, application of authority. So the first part of that passage says this. This is what it says in Philippians 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So he's telling us that we should follow this example. The, and, and there are many examples where the Bible says, submit to one another. Yeah, Romans 5.21 says, submit to one another. Um, and and other, other passages that tell us that. So we are looking to follow Christ's example. What do we see in Christ's example? The first thing you see is this, verse 6. That Christ, being very, in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Now, this is so contrary to how we live, but basically what Jesus did, he did not fight for his God-given rights. He didn't fight for them. He gave them up. He, he didn't consider the equality, the fairness, the rightness of that, the justice of it, something to be grabbed hold of, he gave that up. He gave it up. Secondly, this is obviously how Jesus functioned under authority. He became a servant. He who was a king, he who was a god, he who was the god, he who was in the heavens with the Father at the very beginning, didn't only just come to earth, but he came to earth and became a servant. In Matthew, it's no surprise when you read that in, two Philippians, in Philippians 2, that in Matthew, when Jesus is talking to his disciples about who might the greatest be, or they're talking to one another about who might the greatest be, Jesus' contribution to that discussion was, we're not like other people. If you want to be the greatest, serve. That's what he said. So he's already got this thing in his mind about being a servant. The next thing he does in this passage is he humbled himself. Jesus, of all people, didn't need to humble himself, but he humbled himself. It says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. We cannot underestimate the, what that would mean for Jesus, to humble himself. Why does Jesus need to humble himself in order to achieve what God ultimately does through him? But that is how he does it. He humbles himself. And in his humility, this is all linked to authority, he becomes obedient. Yeah. Now the Bible says in John that Jesus 
only ever did what he saw his father doing. Yeah? Why was that? He was obedient and he was submitted under the authority of the father. Yeah? He didn't do what he wanted to do. And we know there was at least one moment in the garden where Jesus was tempted to do what he wanted to do. He was tempted to give up. He, he said, oh, you know, can this cup not be taken from me? Is there not another way to achieve what needs to be achieved here? And then he recognises, oh, no, it's not my will. It's your will. He submits again. It's your will be done, not my will. Jesus humbles himself. He becomes obedient. He only never does what the Father uh, does. He sees the Father doing. And then he submits himself to this process, which is awful, really. Even death on a cross. The cross was painful, unjust, cruel, and humiliating, and Jesus submitted himself to it. I.e., he didn't have to. He talks about, he talks about when, he's, when he's talking to Pilate, he says, you've only been given, you've only got authority that's been given, from you, given to you from above. Yeah, I have authority to lay down life and to take it up. But Jesus submitted himself to that death. He was obedient. He submitted himself to the Father's way. Maybe, who knows whether in heaven, sometime before all this happened, Jesus said to the Father, really? Is that the way? Maybe they had a discussion. And in the end, the Father goes, that's the way, son. You have to go. Whatever, however it came about, he submitted himself to the Father. Now, here's the thing. Jesus goes through that process, and this is the bit we forget. He goes through all of that process, all that horrible stuff of all those words we don't like, submission and obedience. He goes through all of that, and then it says this. Therefore, God exalted him. So it wasn't, it wasn't like God was just trying to knock him down and keep him down. Because of his submission to the authority and the purpose of the Father, God exalted him to the highest place. And it says he gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. His obedience and submission to authority led to total blessing. And it will do for you and for me. If we can learn this thing about authority, if we can, if we can avoid our natural aversion to something that is actually instituted by God, we will be more blessed. What we learn from Jesus through this about authority is this. We, it's really important. Our biggest danger today in our relationships is not so much abusive authority, it's no authority. We live with no authority. So you say, you know, so as a child I say to my mum, what are you telling me for? I can do that. One of the things I've admired, actually from a distance, but I've admired it, is when 
um, occasionally when, da- when, when Dave's brought his boys to, to New Day or even our weekend away, one or other of them for some reason can't come. So, so mum says, no, you can't go. And uh, I would naturally expect... I, I remember when my mum told me I couldn't go on a trip. It only never happened once. I mean, this happened more than once. But when she told me I couldn't go on a trip, I put the phone down on her, yeah? And, and I knew what was going to happen, yeah? There was no doubt. There was no, like, oh, uh, there's, no, there's no avoiding what is going to happen when I get in tonight, yeah? I know and I'm just going to have to take that thing, and I won't do that again, I know, yeah? Um, because I was so annoyed, yeah? But I, I know when I've heard of one or two of the guys that, ha- that their mums have said, no, no, you can't go, and whatever the reason is, the next week when they're back at church, there's no sense, I've not seen any sense of bitterness or resentment or anger or rebellion. Re- rebellion. It's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, wow, that's quite a big thing, yeah? When your mum says... You're 17, you're taller than your mum, and your mum said, you ain't going there. Well, why not, mum? Well, because I said so. So it's not even like a good reason's given, necessarily. Yeah? And you go, okay. I mean, that takes some doing to go, oh, okay. Yeah? But God blesses that. Why? Because because parent-child relationship, it's not about whether the parent is good. I'm not being funny. But it's not about how good the parent is that you decide to submit that you decide to obey. It's, this is the in order that God has instituted that parent, children obey their parents, and that's why you do it. Now, I'm sure there are a million questions. You go, oh, but what about this situation? What about that situation? No, there are all sorts of things. But in general, that's how it works. But what we do is we can throw out authority because of all these abuses and all these things that haven't happened. We can live without no authority and we can replace authority with other things. So it's not authority I'm looking for. It's just, I want an opinion. What do you think? So I go to my dad and say, Dad, thinking about, you know, flying out, you know, going abroad, leaving Pauline and the kids and... What do you think, Dad? What do you think? My dad ain't doing what do you think. <laughs> He's not answering that question. Yeah? Because, it, because in reality, it's not an opinion. When it comes to authority, it's not about opinion. It's not about, well, do I trust or like this person? Do I think they're great? I've had occasions, many occasions, in, in, I suppose just even in my church experience, where, where, you know, my leaders, and I've always loved and respected my leaders, but I haven't always agreed with them. Yeah? But sometimes they say things and I'm like, there's something in me that goes, there's a bigger principle here and it's not just about whether, whether I get what I want to do. There's a bigger thing here. So how should we operate today with authority? I'm just going to mention a few things. Now I'm aware that this subject can be a bit tricky. So if at the end you've got questions or you want to ask anything, then I'm just going to sit down here. You can come and talk to me uh, one-on-one if you've got some particular questions in particular situations that you want to deal with. Um, But my principal point is authority is instituted by God and we need to follow it. That's principally how I look at it. We need to follow it. We're not following it because it's a good idea or we're not following it because it's my idea, we're following it because that's what the Bible says. And ultimately, if you follow what the Bible says, that's where the blessing comes. 
How do we operate today? Firstly, we must recognize its place in life. We must. Because people, just like children, get hurt and hurt other people and hurt you because authority is not in place. In life, the same thing happens. The same principle happens. People get hurt. Things go wrong because authority is not in place. It's not all about parents and children. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.